Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I'm your host, Nina Turner. So glad that you are here, which will be one of the best hours of your day. So thank you so much for being here. And if you are new to the show, welcome. If you are a regular, we definitely appreciate you. And in today's show, we are going to have the one and only representative Ro Khanna. And he represents the 17th Congressional District in the great state of California, baby. And then neoliberals can't stop selling stock. Even though they promised to ban congressional stock trading. And finally, an anti abortion activist makes disgusting, and I mean disgusting, comments about a 10 year, old, 10 year olds having babies. We cannot make this up. Now, America, look. I understand that abortion is a wedge issue. People have different feelings about abortion. But later in the show, when you hear what this woman had to say, you gonna let me know whether you pro-choice or not. Cuz I don't know many people that are pro-abortion. I do know people who are pro-choice. But when you got a grown A woman saying that a 10 year old girl, well, you know what? I don't wanna spoil the whole thing. I think I did just a little bit, but you gonna hear this woman in her own words and then you know I'm going in. But without further ado, we're gonna bring up Representative Ro Khanna. And again, Representative Ro Khanna represents the 17th district in the great state of California. And he and I both served as 2020 national co-chairs for Senator Bernard Sanders, along with Mayor Carmen Euline Cruz from San Juan, Puerto Rico. And the one and only one of the co-founders of that ice cream, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, Ben Cohen. It was quite a rip roaring ride. Congressman, welcome to the show. Thank you, Senator Turner. Great to be on. Congratulations on all the success with the show. It's become a must watch show to, to hear the progressive perspective. Thank you so much. I consider myself blessed to be on the TYT network of which you have been on many times and you take the hard questions, you take all questions. And that's what I love about you, Congressman. You don't shrink from, from a fight and you tell it like it is and, and people have to respect that. And we do need, as you know, and we both agree, we need more independent media sources and TYT network that's is one of those. Yeah, so I'm glad to be in that number. So we are going to roll the tape. Watch this, Congressman, and all of you. While Senator Feinstein has had an extraordinary distinguished career, she's simply unable now to fulfill her duties. And it's sad to see. Uh, it's sad to see her in this state where she is missing votes, where we're not being able to confirm uh, judges because of her absence on the Judiciary Committee. Uh, and I just think uh, we should have someone in that role uh, who can do the job right now. So that was Congressman Connor saying, hey, we got to have somebody in the role to do the job. Both Senator Feinstein and the Congressman, they both served the great state of California. And there have been rumblings about her illness. She even wrote a letter basically saying, hey, put somebody on the Judiciary Committee until I'm able to make it back. But Congressman Connor, as you saw in that clip said, listen, hey, she can't fulfill those duties, so she needs to go. He's not the only one that's standing up, but he's one of very few standing up. And now there are people leveling the charge of sexism. So Congressman, that's a lot to have to take and the pressure. What made you decide to step up and say that this should be done? I'm certainly for the best, what is in the best interest of the residents or the citizens, the people who live in the great state of California, but also for the nation at large. People have known that Senator Feinstein has been unable to do her job 
for quite some time now. We've all been hoping she would make the decision on her own uh, to step aside. I mean, she's missed 75% of her votes this year. But the trigger event for me was Senator Durbin saying that this is slowing down judges being confirmed. We have extremist judges in Texas taking away the abortion pill from women. We're going around the country making these speeches saying we're gonna stand up for women's rights. And then when we can actually do something, which is get these judges out of the committee, we're stalled because one senator isn't able to show up. Five judges weren't able to go through today in the Judiciary Committee because of her absence. They got seven through on a bipartisan vote, but five of them, they needed a Democratic vote and couldn't do it. And so I said, we've got to get these judges through and we need someone to step in. And Congressman, did you find it difficult to come to that? Not necessarily difficult to come to the conclusion, but it takes a lot of courage to say that this should happen for the greater good. Now, the, the senator has said she's not running for re-election. You know, um, she's definitely had a lifetime of service. The fact that you're getting some pushback and others who have had the courage to say this, do you find that shocking that you would get some pushback, uh, given everything that you just laid out, the importance of judges? And my secondary question to that is, why should somebody in Ohio care whether or not Senator Dianne Feinstein can fulfill her duties at this time. Well, I wasn't surprised, and that's because you know this, Senator Turner. When those of us who stepped up for Bernie Sanders and endorsed him, and certainly those of us who said we're going to play a leadership role in that, that's the biggest pushback I've ever faced in my political career. And so the, this pushback pales in comparison. It makes it looks like JV compared to the pushback we had with people taking a shot at Senator Sanders, because Senator Sanders was talking about changing private insurance and making sure we took on big oil and took on corporate interests. And there was a lot of opposition. Now I knew we would get some pushback, but I guess that's given me much more of a steel spine and saying, if I think there's something that's right, I'm gonna stand up for it. And this time in private, I've had a lot of people saying, thank you for saying something. I hope she's gonna do the right thing. And the reason people should care in Ohio is the single biggest thing President Biden can do between now and 2024, given that we don't have the House of Representatives is confirm Democratic judges who are gonna uphold voting rights, women's rights and the constitution. And every day, and I want people to really think about this, every day Senator Feinstein is there means one less possible judge is gonna get confirmed in this president's term. And that the stakes are enormous. I think she should have stepped down regardless, but certainly in this environment on the Judiciary Committee, she should step down. And Congressman, to hear you say this pales in comparison, you giving me flashbacks. I'm sure I can say an amen on that of all that we had to endure because we did in fact do the right thing by supporting, not only supporting Senator Bernard Sanders, but actually being a co-chair and being right there on his campaign every step of the way. So let me ask the most pressing question. If Senator Dianne Feinstein was Senator David Feinstein, or would you be saying the same thing? Or is this uh, Senate, uh, Congressman, is this only because she's a woman? I would absolutely be saying the same thing. In fact, some of us said the same thing when Stephen Breyer was uh, being asked to consider stepping aside or uh, to have other people uh, in the Senate uh, who have served too, too long and, uh, and should be considering stepping aside. I don't think it has anything to do 
uh, with gender, and that's just the uh, uh, the reality of it. Uh, the, the the point is now in the past uh, there were cases where men served uh, with long absences and uh, didn't get called out, and that's a problem of our of the times. Uh, but the times have changed, and regardless of gender, people should be called out. There it is, that doesn't make it right because that was something that happened in the past. So I applaud you, Congressman, for your courage. And I know you're getting a lot of pushback, but you know sometimes you gotta stand alone. You're not standing totally alone, but it is important. And what you are laying out for people who not only live in Ohio, it doesn't matter, I just use my home state as an example. But even if they're in Illinois or South Dakota, North Dakota, you name it. It is important that this president has the opportunity to be able to get those judges in there. And you're right, it impacts everybody and that's why we should care. So anybody that's watching this, please make sure that you share this information, share this segment video with your family and friends so people get an understanding. This is not just about California, this is not even just about Senator Feinstein. And I said yesterday on the show, Congressman, that especially because she doesn't plan to seek reelection, what better opportunity, what better gift for her to give You know, in this moment is to say, you know what? I wish things were going differently with my health. I had planned to stay here to the end of the term, but things have changed and I get the import of this moment. And I am just going to step aside and assume a different role. It doesn't mean she has to go away. It's just that it's a different role. To That's play, at it. yeah, because of the situation, and because she strong, 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 strong career in the United States Senate. I'm I mean, I, I agree with everything, but she's had a strong career, and there's nothing for. Her. I mean, she walk out of there with her head held high. Absolutely, look, she's been an icon on women's rights. She's been an icon on gun violence. Uh, again, I don't agree with everything, but she yeah. has earned the right to. Uh, to, to, to be celebrated for public service and for her dedication. And this has nothing to do with taking that away from her. That's if anything, right. I think uh, the way this is dragging out, uh, people are doing a disservice to her own legacy. And uh, it, it's it's sad, it's not uh, any sense of, uh, of, of personal uh, feelings against her. I wish that she would just say, this is what I've decided to do after consultation with my family and, and close advisors. Yeah, I do too, Congressman. She still has the chance to do that. And let me say this, and this is me saying this. Anybody that's saying that this is sexism, that's that's a low, that's a low blow, and it's the lowest common denominator. Uh, as well, it really makes no sense. That's low hanging fruit to just banty that about. There are circumstances where you and I both know and people know that there have been instances as you laid out, but instances in any profession in society as well, where it is very, very clear. But if identity is the only thing they can lob, you know, just identity for the sake of identity, it, it makes no sense. So we're gonna go on the record. I'm going on the record as saying that's BS right there. Everything that the Congressman has laid out is the reason why the Senator should make this sacrifice and do what's right on behalf of the residents in the great state of California and also in this nation and give this president the opportunity to nominate judges. So right in my backyard, Congressman, we have East Palestine, East Palestine the whole disaster. I had an opportunity to go down there and meet with some locals, had a guy there by the name of John, who's a local there, lives in and around that community for most of his life. Got a chance to hear you know, the, the pain, got there even before the, the, the current Secretary of 
transportation even got there, but I won't take you down that rabbit hole. It was an epic fail, I'm saying that, and some others do agree with me. But anyway, I, I digress. You and Representative Deluzio introduced a bill to deal with Norfolk and other and put the congressman up with me together, Skip, if you can, to deal with Norfolk and other rail companies when it comes to what the rules are. And so your bill, the Conor Deluzio bill, rail safety, part one, the legislation seeks to broaden the definition of what constitutes a high hazard flammable train. We know that President Trump did roll back some of the things that President Obama's administration had done. But even even under President Obama's administration, this Ohio train would not have been covered. So glad to see it. High hazard flammable trains are not allowed to travel faster than 50 miles per hour. Let's go to the next part two of that. And the legislation would also expand the list of hazardous substances and require rail carriers to report to the National Response Center, state officials and local officials within 24 hours of when a train carrying toxic chemicals derails. You all did all of that. The legislation would also expand the list of hazardous substances and require rail carriers to report to the national, et cetera, et cetera. You all did that in back in February when this happened. So talk to us a little bit, Congressman, and why that was important. And do you really believe that Norfolk is going to suffer any consequence, any consequences at all? Well, first of all, thank you, Senator Turner, for showing up. I think showing up. Uh, is something that we needed to do. We needed to do it faster. I don't understand why we didn't do it. People saying, well, there are a thousand of these train derailments every year. I said, how are we just accepting that as a fact? Uh, The first thing we should say is why? And the reason that they're happening is we haven't had the proper safety uh, regulations because of the railroad lobby. We know what we need to do. We know we need to have the proper classification of hazardous materials, classify that uh, appropriately. We need, no, we need shorter uh, trains, we can't have these long trains. We know we need more staff members on these trains. And that if we had these safety measures, you wouldn't have a thousand derailments. And then you have to go to the the communities like East Palestine, which have been hard hit by offshoring of jobs, hard hit by globalization, hard hit by neoliberalism. And they say, no one cares about us. So it's about both signaling to them that we do care, they do matter, their lives have uh, consequence, uh, and that uh, we're going to finally stand up to big corporate uh, rail interests and, and stand up for the people. Yeah, I agree, Congressman. And when I was there, it was really palpable. They do feel like nobody cares about them, and the fact that the administration took so long, it just further, you know, uh, gave them, you know, backed up their feeling because it took so long for the administration to come, and they're still suffering. And listen, I'm not gonna let my the governor of the state of Ohio off the hook. He told those residents they could drink the water even though fish were dying. There are other reports that the residents are still suffering with rashes and just all kinds of things that you could expect because of the type of chemicals that were emitted into the air and to the soil. And it's very problematic. So I wanna thank you and Representative Chris for introducing that legislation. And I hope that it is pushed and that it goes somewhere. Now today is the 24th year anniversary of the Columbine shootings that happened on April the 20th in 1999. 
And since then, there have been far too many mass shootings in our country, including schools. And whether we're talking about Columbine or whether we're talking about just the recent mass shooting that happened in Nashville, Tennessee at the Covenant School. Why can't elected officials, particularly on the federal level, Congressman, and I sincerely ask in this question, why do they cower before the NRA, why is it that any mass shooting, but especially the mass shooting of uh, shootings of children, doesn't even move elected officials, particularly on the federal level, but it happens on the state level as well. When I was in the Ohio Senate, that gun lobby controlled those halls as well, and they still do. But why is it that the elected officials will not stand up to this lobby and do what most Americans want to have done, including gun owners. They want common sense gun reform in this country, but the NRA continues to be in control. And there was a quote by the leader of the NRA basically saying, you know, if you guys try to mess with us, we're coming for you. Not basically, that that's what the man said. It was a flat out threat. And I feel like the Department of Justice should come in on that. The threat was very clear. Well, it is beyond frustrating. It makes me angry, sad. Look, when Columbine happened in 1999, I was just getting out of college, and now you know I'm in my fourth term in Congress, and we still have the same issue. We can't, you know, Columbine was the murder, the killing of a dozen or so high school students, and we still are dealing in 2023 with shootings at school. Uh, with young kids getting shot because they go ring someone's doorbell in a neighborhood. Uh, obviously that having to do not just with guns, but with being uh, black in, in, in America. But the, the, the point is we know how we solve this. We know if we get assault weapons banned or, uh, passed, it will make a difference. How do we know? Because Bill Clinton did it in the 1990s and the studies show that mass shootings went down. And then we repealed it uh, 10 years later when it sunset and we didn't Passing and mass shootings went up. So we've done the experiment. We know that assault weapons ban saves lives. We know that you're having a universal background check saves lives. We know that taking a gun out of the hands of someone who's made a threat or is a danger saves lives. And people are just craving to, to, to get this done. And as a result, we have gun violence being a leading cause of death for children. Yes. And you, you talk to people outside the country and they can't understand it. They can't understand how in this country we allow this to continue to happen. Yeah, because we can't understand it either. And you know, Congressman, I, I I don't know why, what is it about the second amendment in your opinion? I mean, we have several amendments to the United States Constitution, but it is that one that people extremists, because the NRA and their ilk are extremists, they're unpatriotic extremists. And as far as I'm concerned, they have all kinds of blood on their hands. But what is it about the second amendment to the constitution that they consider absolute? Like more powerful in some cases than God, the way they act. Well, it's become a tool, I think, culturally and politically to get people riled up. But every amendment, every right, has limits to it. We know this, free speech, which we're both big proponents of, has a limit to it. You can't have speech that's gonna incite violence and cause bodily harm. Well, if you can't under the constitution have speech that's going to 
uh, kill people or incite harm, then certainly there has to be a restriction on uh, unreasonable restrictions on guns so that they're not causing violence or harm on people who are innocent. You can't say, well, you can have restrictions on the First Amendment, but no reasonable restrictions on the Second Amendment. All rights have to be balanced. Uh, uh, so that your freedoms aren't taking away someone else's freedoms. And it's only the Second Amendment where we have uh, this absolutist per, uh, perspective, and that's not what the Constitution's supposed to be about. But this is not good faith arguments often on the other side. It's a reflexive sense where these people are afraid to lose their seats. They're afraid of a primary challenge, uh, and that's what's, what's going on. And the, the, the most frustrating point is they're like, well, it won't make a difference. It won't save any lives, they're bad people. Of course, they're evil people. Of course, they're bad people. Of course, do I think we're going to end all mass shootings if we pass this legislation? This legislation, no. But what if we just save a few lives? I mean, the point is in Congress, your job is to save lives, to help people. It's not to make the world perfect. And the reality is that by not doing this, this we know more people will die. That's it. That's it in a nutshell, Congressman. A masterclass on why this needs to happen. So we're going to keep pushing it. A lot of people who work in this field every single day, activists and others who they have dedicated their lives to deal with mass shootings and trying to get military style weapons off the off the streets. And so big ups to them, we'll keep pushing and highlighting this issue, it just really breaks my heart. Now lastly, Congressman, the Green New Deal for healthcare, you just hot off the presses, y'all hearing it on Unbossed today. You and Senator Ed Markey, tell us a little bit about that before you go. Well, Senator Turner, we need people like you too. But you're maybe having more influence today on your podcast than just being an elected official. I was very proud of the Green New Deal on health with Senator Markey. It's pretty simple. You know, Senator Turner, there's so many terrible weather events happening around the country. Wildfires in my state, flooding in my state, storms in other states, hurricanes, tropical storms, devastation. Uh, when there is devastation, when there is a natural disaster, that's when we all agree that the government should have a say, that the government has to protect people. Well, we don't have the hospitals, we don't have the public health infrastructure right now to take care of people in climate emergencies of wildfire, of uh, flooding, of storms. And the bill says you, we've got to make sure healthcare facilities in every community, in every county, are prepared to deal with inclement weather events so that we can help people during the climate crises. And that we need to make sure that these health centers are green, that they that we're not putting out excessive CO2 emissions in the extraordinary healthcare supply chain that we have. Yeah, well, good on you, Congressman Conan. You were right there for the, the regular Green New Deal, now the Green New Deal for healthcare. Shout out, big ups to you and Senator Ed Markey. And thank you for joining us, Congressman. Appreciate it. Thank you, Senator Turner. Thank you. And we will be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. And welcome back to the show. Just such an awesome interview with Congressman Ro Khanna. I have so much respect for Kim. And now in our co-host chair, we have the one and only Ravana. And I haven't been side by side with Ravana in a while, so I'm really happy that she is back on the show today. And she is a Rebel HQ contributor. Ray, so good to have you. Very excited about this. It's been too long. It has been too long, but I'm very excited to be back. I know that everyone watching is excited for for what the two of us have to say about the news. 
ready I to get into they, it. <laughs> I know they are. Yes, we will get right to that. But before that, we're gonna take talk about what's happening. We got the Webby Awards. So today is the last day to make that vote. As you know, TYT was nominated, and so you, it's the people's voice, you get a chance to decide. So go ahead and put that smartphone up right now and capture that Q code and support us nominated for the Webby Award. And or you can go to tyt.com slash vote, or just go ahead and put the smartphone up and do it right now. Don't wait, because something might come up, just do it right now. And membership, we know that membership protects TYT's ability to continue to be an independent news source. And we need that now more than ever, so we need you. We appreciate everybody that watches the network, watches the shows, clicks the likes on YouTube, watches the VODs, the video on demands and the podcast. But we need you, yes, you to become a member. And look at this awesome lineup, the damage report, indisputable. The damage report with John, indisputable indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I just like saying his name like that. <laughs> Unbossed with yours truly, the watch list with JR, the Young Turks with Jink and Anna. And then you get bonus episodes. So come on through, become a member of TYT. And then while you had to go ahead and buy a membership for somebody you love. All right, do that. Now, the Shorty Awards. Thank you to the Shorty Awards for recognizing TYT's work and commitment to drive positive change. This nomination speaks to our work in all of our shows, like The Damage Report, Indisputable, The Watch List, Unbossed, The Young Turks. It also recognizes strong progressive voices from the entire network. Support our work by voting for us at tyt.com slash shorties. That's tyt.com slash shorties. You can vote every day until April 26th. We need y'all, we need to go ahead and win this award. All right, so do that for us. I'm gonna go in there, I need to vote myself. So I'm gonna do that. And then also, you know that you can get TY, you can get, well, the TYT shows on podcasts, but Unbossed on podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. And now to our member comments and other folks on other social media streams like Twitch. We got Cray Cray, Slow Flay. I love that, Cray Cray. Breaking, Rep Scotty Campbell has resigned effective immediately, according to Speaker Cameron Sexton. All right, Cray Cray, thank you for that. Mickey C, the silver hair dragon. Hey, Mickey C, baby, right wing. If you dare ask Feinstein to retire is ageist and misogynist. Her lack of ability to think logically isn't a problem. Same right wing when Fetterman announced his depression needed treatment, get rid of him because he can't think logically. Oh, You think that is if you dare ask Feinstein to retire is ageist and so, okay, all right, Mickey C. And Funkin' for, uh, funkin for Fun. That's a tongue twisted right there, Ravonna. That could have been. <laughs> I was gonna say it was almost. That, it was that almost a little wrong. bad. That could have went wrong. <laughs> wee! I, I don't know. I, I read that as something else, but I'm gonna just put that right there. Just lay that right there. That could have been. Woo! Okay. Yes, thank you, Senator Turner, for having Rep Connor on for a frank and informative discussion. Americans are not getting discussions like this from other media sources. Keep it going. Oh, okay, Franken for fun. I'm telling you, you messed with my mind. That's a tongue twister right there. Thank you so much for your kind words. And on Twitch, Agnostic Sister. My niece just received a soccer scholarship to San Diego State. She has worked super hard for this. 
and she's an amazing young woman. Congrats to my niece, agnostic sister. Absolutely, congratulations to your niece. And had you put her name in the comments, I would have shouted out her name. But congratulations to you, baby, for that scholarship. Ravana and I think that is mighty, mighty fine. And then on YouTube Super Chat, Thomas Clifton, love that senator. So needed in government, big ups to Ro Connor. Thank you, baby, for that. Both of us are needed. See, they knew that's why they had to come at me with so much. But I'm still here, I ain't going nowhere. They just quite frankly made it worse because I'm a totally free agent. You know what happens when free free agent, free black woman with agency, yeah. That is it. And Nephro, you know what, I listen. I can't even mess with this name right here. I don't know, I'm gonna mess it up. So bad, so forgive me, but daily dystopian reminder, Biden is older than the life expectancy of American constituents. Okay, baby, you laid that. I'm just call this person in, cuz I'm gonna mess it up so badly. Uh, Sachi, find out how to pronounce that name and give it to me. I'm gonna shout them out a little later, uh, please forgive me. Uh, he's not going to invest in the future, he doesn't get to enjoy. He's going to keep drilling for the present he has left. You know what? Yeah, I mean the Willow Project, so I agree with you. I don't agree with him okaying that Willow Project and hey, you speaking some truth there. And then Jen Hack, as an Australian, I only hear about mass shootings from America. You know what, Jen? And that's the same point that Representative Rokana brought up in our interview, that people from other countries look at us like we are absolutely have lost our ever loving minds. And you write about that, Jen. It is a sin and a shame. Something can be done about it. We're gonna keep on pushing. All right, so Sachi and the list is gonna get me the pronunciation of this person's name, Ray, that I, I didn't wanna butcher. They little stage name is quite <laughs> something. And then I'm gonna shout you out again later in the show. So here we go. The worst judge ever, Florida is at it again. Florida, I just don't understand you. The sunshine state with beautiful oranges and tangerines and the like. Y'all governor is absolutely the worst, I mean the worst. So y'all are the gift, I can't even call you the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, You may remember this story from back in 2022, Florida judge under fire for citing poor grades as a reason to deny a 17 year old an abortion. Now here was the situation, let's go down memory lane, shall we? Jared Smith said the 17 year old was unfit to obtain an abortion as he questioned her overall intelligence, emotional development and stability. The decision was overturned by a three member appeals court that said Smith abused his judicial discretion. You better say that. Now here's the smug shot of the judge, go ahead and put Ravana up with me cuz we gonna rest right here, right on that right there. Now he got the pure unadulterated gall to question. Now anybody, I mean, there are studies that show that emotional development, not before the age of 25, quite frankly. I mean, there's a lot of things, Ray, for me being a mama that I would say people can't do before they 25. And I would even push it to 35, but we could settle on 25. The science shows about you know emotional development, so got that. But this judge, now I, I, help me understand this, Ray Bonner, because I don't. So you saying she not mature enough to have an a, a, a abortion, but she mature enough to birth a child? Please, right, help make it make sense for me. The thing about conservative logic is that it doesn't have to be logical, apparently, because I can't fathom in any way, shape, or form how you can say that someone's not old enough or not mature enough to make the decision to have an abortion. But you're like, but you know what? You're mature enough to have a baby. You who are still a baby. Mature enough to have a baby and raise that baby. Bring a whole ass life into the world. 
that you're totally responsible for for the rest of your life. Don't matter even when they turn 18, you still responsible. You still have that love. You might not be legally responsible. I, it, it just don't make sense. I'm trying to make this make sense, and I'm so glad that a three judge panel said that he overstepped his bounds. Now the reason why Ray, we taking people down memory lane, because here's the latest. A Florida Supreme Court seat is opened up last month and Jared Smith will be interviewed, this judge, alongside 14 others next month by a nominating committee. Now filling the vacancy will mean that DeSantis will have picked five of the court's seven members. And that is a problem, potentially crucial factor for the future of abortion laws in the state of Florida. And DeSantis began his transformation of the Florida Supreme Court immediately after taking office in 2019, appointing three justices in his first month. He did that. John Stemberger, president of Florida Family Policy Council said at the time, the court had quote, the potential to have the most reliably consistent and conservative judicial philosophy in the country. And that reporting is coming from the Guardian. Now that's bad for the state of Florida, Ray, and it is bad for the rest of the country for this man to have that kind of power on the Florida Supreme Court. And now this particular judge that cited that for grades as a reason and other reasons to deny a 17 year old girl an abortion, but say, hey, birth the whole ass person into the world. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous and I'm glad we're covering this story because I think a lot of media attention focuses solely on our federal Supreme Court, which of course is really important to pay attention to. But we're seeing all of these heinous and discriminatory bills being passed that target women, that target uh, trans individuals, you know, reproductive freedoms generally passing through these state legislators, and it's the state supreme courts that are going to get to uphold those and make you know decisions on the state level, particularly as it pertains to abortion. So I think it's important to highlight this, and I don't know whether or not DeSantis is going to appoint this one particular judge, but I mean, it doesn't change the fact that the entire roster is a litany of right wing. You know, freaks essentially. And yeah. at the end of the day, what he's saying is even if he doesn't appoint him, I can call this guy up for an interview that was rejected by, you know, his decisions rejected by, you know, a three judge panel, rejected by the population of Florida. That doesn't matter. I can still call up this right wing extremist judge and bring him in for an interview because I have the authority to do so. And that should scare people. And it should, you know, be a call to action for people in the state of Florida. Yeah, it should be, Ray. I, I'm I'm just definitely perplexed that this man was even elected. I mean, from the judicial nomination, you're right. Anybody he puts there, whether it's this judge or another one, is going to be wrong all day long. But the the point about everything that he's doing there, from you know banning books, you know trying to whitewash history in this country. I mean, he is really. The really the wrong person to be governor of any state in this country, less known president of the United States of America. I truly believe, and I'm gonna keep saying it here, Donald Trump leaves a lot to be desired. President Donald J. Trump leaves a lot to be desired. He is a neo-fascist. Governor DeSantis to the 10th power, neo-fascist, much worse than President Donald J. Trump. DeSantis is dangerous, and I'm saying this to the nation that this man must never make it 
to the White House. All right, here we go. Ravana and I are gonna talk about offshore tax avoidance. Tax season can be stressful. We know it always is for everyday Americans. For the ultra wealthy though, it's a whole nother story. Check out this headline from our friends at The Lever. Tax free day for the ultra wealthy. Andrew Perez, Matthew Cunningham, Cook and Rebecca Burns on the job per usual. New data shows the wealthiest Americans have stashed $2 trillion in offshore tax havens as the government relaxes efforts to combat tax evasion. A recent study from Academic and Internal Revenue Service researchers found that Wealthy Americans have stashed nearly two trillion in foreign tax havens, with much of that fortune linked to a handful of the country's richest households. Now, surprisingly, a disproportionately high percentage of assets held in offshore tax havens are owned by the top 0.01% of US earners. No surprise at all. Most of us cannot relate to that in any form or fashion. You wanna talk about the few getting so much and the many out here suffering and paying the taxes. So how has it been allowed to happen? So glad that you asked, cuz we're gonna explain this to you. The new study published last month by the National Bureau of Economic Research found that US households held just below 2 trillion. US households, I want you to wrap your mind around that, that US households held just below 2 trillion in 2018 in financial accounts in places like Switzerland, Lessenburg and the Cayman Islands that are generally considered tax havens because they have low effective tax rates. The study also follows a US Senate report warning of a glaring loophole in law designed to combat the use of tax havens. A law that Republican legislators have long been trying to repeal outright. Compounding matters early this year, the Biden administration gave foreign banks a reprieve on tax reporting. Like We can't make this stuff up, but the major player in all of this, this deregulation is the Supreme Court. So we got the Biden administration complicit, we got the Supreme Court complicit, and especially from this ruling in February, let's put up this headline right here. US Supreme Court limits penalties for not reporting foreign accounts. Now, do you think you, me, anybody else that we love and know and cozy up to on a regular basis would have this kind of protection? <laughs> not at all, not at all. And it's really what's really upsetting about this is these people benefit from the taxes that we pay that they're hiding their assets so that they don't have to. The poorest people are paying into, you know, provide services that their companies advertise on the side of the roads. They they use the trucks, their trucks drive down the roads that our taxes are paying to keep up. And it's the, it's not the wealthiest taxes that they're benefiting from. It's the average, you know, everyday American taxpayers' money that they're benefiting from, and they're hiding their assets, and it's shameful. Yeah, the the, the workaday people of this country. We got the congressman back in the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is live TV, baby, at his best. That was Congressman Ro Connor. You may have seen on that screen. <laughs> He came on back, Congressman. Come on back, come on back. We'll just go ahead and have the conversation between the three of us. 
a little levity in the show today. So Ray, as we were saying, <laughs> and as a result, the ultra wealthy continue to play their games when it comes to taxes. According to a 2021 White House study, the wealthiest 400 billionaire families in the US paid an average federal individual tax rate of just 8.2%. For comparison, the average American taxpayer in the same year paid 13%. So the people who can really afford to pay are paying virtually nothing compared to the rest of us. Now, in the words of the great Andrew Yang, that math ain't math for me, Ray. <laughs> I'm glad you showed the percentage that they're paying instead of because a lot of these wealthy people love to pull up the raw numbers and say, well, look how much money I'm paying in taxes. I'm paying more taxes than you know anybody you know. But you know, as a percentage, it's lower. So they don't, and of course, they have a lot more disposable income. That's right. <laughs> so they don't feel it the way that the average American feels it. But it really is like, you know, especially all of these people like to sort of, you know, these right wingers who were wealthy like to consider themselves patriotic Americans. The most patriotic thing you can do in my book is pay your taxes, support your fellow Americans. That's it, pay your taxes so we can uphold the social contract. I'll tell you, there is a group out there, Ray, that I want to give a shout out to, and hopefully our viewers have heard of them, and that's the patriotic millionaires. When you said the word patriotic, it made me think of them. And that is a group of very wealthy people who have decided that it is, in fact, unpatriotic (laughs) not to pay your taxes and pay them in a way that meets the need, like in line with what you got. And to have the average taxpayer pay almost almost double what these ultra ultra wealthy people pay is definitely a sin and a shame. So let me shout out the patriotic millionaires. We need more of them. Oh, we got a WTF neoliberal moment coming. Congressional insider trading trading. Some Democrats can't help themselves when it comes to stock trading, and it has me asking WTF neoliberal. We will now. Because this is a free market and people, we are a free market economy, they should be able to participate in that. You know what? Uh, We're going to put Ray up. I know she got something to say about this. I'm I'm just totally going to go off script here. The hell with that. But you know what? She was honest. She straight up said no. She didn't hesitate on that second question. She's like, no. (laughs) And was indignant. Indignant about it too, like how dare you ask me about this? This is a free market. You know what? The market is not free. The market is dominated and it is rigged by the ultra wealthy in this country and people like Leader Pelosi who benefits. And she's not the only one. There's several Congress people, both in both chambers of the United States Congress that benefit them and their families. And the fact that Big Mama and Big Papa don't get a chance to have an inside on that in the hoods where they misunderstood, whether it's the rural hoods, suburban hoods, or urban hoods is problematic. But America, I want you to see, we rolled the tape. 
Okay, we can roll it again if necessary. If you didn't get that, I mean, she was just like, no. And you know why she was able to say no like that? And she got all kinds of backup. So I want you all to know, even though we're showing then speaker Nancy Pelosi, she is not the only one. But you want to know why she was able to, to just A, no. It's because she know that there will not be any repercussions or consequences. Ray, your thoughts on this? I think it's exceptionally shameful for her to stand there and say that it's a free market when she knows damn well that her position, that her that the elected officials have the ability to pass legislation that directly impacts that free market economy and will def- directly benefit themselves. And that's, you know, of course, they shouldn't be able to do the insider trading that they're doing. There's just also this level of immorality to it there's there's a level of you know it being unethical to own stocks and corporations while you are passing laws that will directly impl- implicate those what happens with those stocks and you're being swayed by those corporations and what you are voting on so i mean it, i mean Ray, it's called mirror. bribery i mean this is yeah. just straight up legal bribery yeah it's it's a horrifying nightmare and for her to just be you, you said it perfectly indignant right there just you know, I can't even imagine why you would be asking me this question when this is not, you know, a popular position. I can most Americans, I think, would say that they should not be allowed to own stocks. <laughs> but it's just, That's you know, right. being so far removed from the actual opinions oh. in the day-to-day lives of Americans, like to to feel so, you know, emboldened to behave that way. I mean, she she was almost clutching pearls. I don't think she had pearls on in that, but it was like, what? How dare you? Don't don't question me. And so that was again former Speaker Nancy Pelosi. That was just 2021, just a couple of days ago that that interview saying members of Congress should be allowed to trade stock because it is quote a free market, which we all know the market is not free. It is dominated and it is rigged, and the people with the most money they write the rules. Big Mama and Big Papa ain't writing the rules because if Big Mama and Big Papa were writing the rules, we'd be different rules. You know that that that's that's it. And so now we got a new case of Representative Jared Morkosowitz. Hope I ain't butchered his name too much. As fear of banking crisis surged, members of Congress sold bank shares. This is what they did. The flurry of transactions highlighted how members of Congress continue to buy and sell stocks in industries that intersect with their duties. On March 10th, as Fears were swirling over the health of the nation's banks. An investment account belonging to the children of Representative Jared Moskowitz, Democrat of Florida, sold shares of Seacoast Banking Corporation worth $65,000 to $150,000. Believe your lying eyes. They got the word and then they sold the stock. Now again, can Big Mama and Big Papa get the word and sell any stock? Hell, they ain't got no stock. Now, if you don't believe that this is corrupt as hell, and just because it is legal, it doesn't make it right because there's a such thing as just laws and unjust laws. And as Ray laid out, they can change the rules, but they refuse to change the rules because they are benefiting from the rig rules. Now, two days later, With the government working to control the crisis, this representative said in a television interview, and that's Representative Jared, because I can say that quite clearly. 
in a television interview that he had intended a bipartisan congressional briefing on the tumult. And on March 13th, as investors fretted over the failure of Silicon Valley Bank and two other smaller banks, Seacoast banking shares fell nearly 20%. Reporting coming from the New York Times. Representative Jarrett said that the congressional briefing on the bank crisis had taken place just before the television interview and after the shares were sold. What in the hell? And the reasoning? A spokesperson for the representative said in the email that the Seco share sales had been suggested by the congressman's financial advisor as a means to diversify his young children's hold. Ain't this some shit? I'm just gonna say this. His young kids, and you know what, right? It's perfectly fine, perfectly normal, perfectly human for somebody to look out for their kids. You know, I'm looking out for my son, I look out for my grandbaby. I get it. That's natural. All natural, it's natural. But what is patently unfair is for the people to write the rules, to be able to benefit from the rules, and you get the play before anybody else in the country. That is something that is wrong. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll just say to everybody watching, do you think that it's fair that someone could, someone who has the authority to bail out an industry, has also the right to invest in those industries? I think the hell not. That part, that part right there. So everyday people, they don't have the options to do this. This is wrong all day long and they need to ban stock trading among members of Congress. And they can do that and they should do that. And you know, so all all you have to do is just follow the policies, follow the money, follow the policies. Though badly, broadly legal stock trading by members of Congress has become a flashpoint because lawmakers are sometimes privy to closely held information about the companies, etc. And we know this, not only are they privy, hell they go into lunch and dinner and breakfast and happy hour with these same folks. This is how this works. They kids go to the schools many times with these same folks. So they got the inside, 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 inside on the inside. It is absolutely wrong. And then where's the president on this? Where's Joe? Where's Joe Biden? Where's the president? If you hear crickets, there's reasons for that. Put up this headline team, Biden avoids wading into the congressional stock trading debate. Surprise, 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 and then no surprise. And if you're wondering why Representative Pelosi outright wanted to block a ban on congressional stock trading, well, we got a headline for you for that as well. Nancy Pelosi's husband bought, brought at least 1 million in alphabet stock Days before House leadership proposed a congressional stock trading ban. That is why, and the only silver lining is that there are some members of Congress who want to take action. Efforts to pass legislation to place limits on trading by members of Congress or to ban it have stalled in recent years. On Capitol Hill on Tuesday, Senator Jeff Merkley, Democrat of Oregon, and Senator Sherrod Brown, Democrat of Ohio, announced a new bill intended to eliminate the practice that has 19 co-sponsors in the Senate. Again, Ray, so sad. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I think you're really. Justified in pointing out that Biden has done nothing on this one. I think it's a slam dunk. It's an easy way to, you know, 
have a good headlines for the Democrats, sort of thwart the idea of your party being the party of corruption. Although, of course, they love to dabble in it too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just it's you know it's a winning message, you know, especially considering there's not most Americans don't have any money in the stock market, so you're really not playing to anybody's emotions by you know upholding the right to invest millions and millions of dollars in the stock market as someone who has some you know semblance of power and control over said stock market it's just so silly to me but of course they're not thinking about not even thinking about a political victory or you know what's going to be best for their constituents it's all it's all about the benjamins it's all about the money that they're making for themselves especially Nancy Pelosi and her husband who is a very very successful uh, player in the stock market. Yeah, it is that no care and concern. And if 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 we have workers out there, Ray, as we know, and they have pension funds, and those pension funds are you know in the stock, but they don't get to hear about the, the they don't get to write the rules, and then they don't get to play the rules and and get warnings ahead of time about what may hurt them and hurt the stocks and sell that stuff ahead of time. It is wrong. America is wrong all day long, twice on Sundays, and we need to demand more and stop being complicit in our own damn demise. This is wrong. I'm gonna throw some papers on this. Let me throw some papers. Okay? It's wrong, America. It's wrong. And we need to elect people who will support bills like the bills that Senator Brown and, and Merkley just introduced, and people who understand for them to have an advantage. They care about their kids. Big mama and big papa care about their kids as well. God darn it. But that's our time for the day. Ray and I will. We will be back at another time. Ray, thank you so much for being here with us and all that you do in the activist circles. We really do appreciate you and we appreciate you for tuning in. Do not forget, no matter how hard it gets in this thing called life, I want you always, always, always to keep the faith, baby. But more importantly, keep the fight until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.